I'm so excited about the word today because uh, it's incredible how God weaves things together. You know, that last song, we were talking about the words that come out of our mouths and declaring things, and that's exactly the word today. God wants us to take a really good, hard look at this passage in James 3 and talk about our words. You know, we've been in this series, and we've been talking about heaven— in different environments. And last week, I shared about heaven in our home. And today, I'm going to share about heaven in our mouth. Who wants heaven in their mouth? Hey, like, I want some heaven in there. I want some heaven in my mouth. Well, we all know that there is power to our words, right? Words can bring life and words can bring death. And words can be very silly, and they can be ridiculous and unguarded sometimes. And so I'm going to share with you, I'm going to be super vulnerable, and I'm going to embarrass myself a little bit, and I'm going to share a couple things that I have said over the years to my children, okay? So when my kids were little, I had this little book, and I wrote in there the things they say, and they were the adorable little things, right? Like Trinity used to always say, actually... Actually, she used to always say that. Well, when my kids grew up and into teen, teen years, Trinity decided it was, uh, it was time to write down the silly things that I say. And so she has like a little book, and no, you cannot have a copy of it. But there's a few things in there that I'm going to uh, just vulnerably share with you, some things that I have said that are quite ridiculous. Okay, so this one time, um, Eden had taken a test for um, per, uh, personality, like professional test, like what do you want to be when you grow up, okay? So she had taken this test and the results came back and it said that she should be a pharmacy technician. And she didn't like the idea very much. She was kind of you know, like, nah. And so I was explaining the job to her. And I was like, it's really exciting, right? Like it, it's super precise. You have to be able to count. That's what I said to her, that you have to be able to count. Yeah, it wasn't the smartest moment. All I was imagining was, you know, one pill, two pill, three pill, four pill. So yeah, it wasn't my brightest moment. Okay, there was this other time, and I'm just giving you snippets, so you're not getting the whole context, okay? But here's this other time. We were having dinner uh, last year, the girls and, and Dwayne and I, and so Eden's about 14 and Trin's about 18, and um, they were talking about this kid they had seen on social media that was a genius, super brilliant, and at 13 years old had graduated university, right? And so they were just like, wow, like, wouldn't that just be phenomenal if we could, like, be like that guy, like, be like a genius and research things and find cures, and we'd be, like, so rich because, you know, we'd be able to, like, discover all these awesome, cool things. And I said to them, it's too late. The smart genes skipped you. <laughs> Remember, being vulnerable with you. Okay, not my finest moment as a mom. <laughs> I didn't mean they're not brilliant. My girls are like principals list brilliant. They're so incredibly smart. But they didn't graduate university at 13, and so that's what I meant. But anyways, anyways, I know I'm just digging myself in a little bit farther and farther. We were out camping with some friends, and they kept accusing me of being drunk. 
And um, I, I have not been drunk for 26 years, okay? I gave my life to Jesus, and I've not been drunk with alcohol since. I've been drunk with the Holy Spirit. <laughs> that one I'll take. But I said to my family, you know, people always think I'm drunk, but I'm just happy. Amen, amen. amen. Well, <laughs> words have strength and intensity, and words make worlds. And words have the power to create things and experiences and attitudes and environments. And if we look to the beginning of the Word of God in Genesis 1, it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And he didn't go to the store and get some supplies and then decide what he was going to create. He didn't think like, as an artist, I need a photo or a frame of reference in order to begin to create, right? He didn't ask anybody for help. Words were spoken, God spoke and created words, worlds, stars, and galaxies. It says in 1-3, God said. He just spoke. He said, let there be light. And then in verse 6, he said, let there be a space. And in 9, he said, let there be waters. And in 11, he said, let there be land. And he said, let the lights appear. And he said, let there be waters with, with fish and animals. And he said, let the earth produce. And he said, let us make humans in our image to be like us. God spoke and there was creation. And in John 1.1, it says, In the beginning, the Word already existed. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. God just had to speak, and there was a universe. There were galaxies. There was our earth. God spoke, and it happened. And you and I, we are the result of words that God spoke. Because he spoke, you are alive. Because he spoke, you have a family. Because he spoke, there is redeeming power of Jesus Christ for every single one of us. And you are a result of the words that have been spoken around you. You are a result of the words of affirmation. The things that people believed and promised and declared and spoke over you, you are a result of those things. If you are a son or a daughter, mother, father, brother, sister, those life-giving words spoke into your life. But let me also say that you are a result of the negative words that have been spoken over you, right? The cruelty and the evil and the deplorable things that have been spoken over you, you are also a result of those things. If you believed those things, if you allowed those things to take root, and to become part of your identity. And words are a powerful tool that carve the heart and the soul. And Jackie Hill Perry says, when was the first time someone made you feel less than? Your feelings will connect to a memory that would involve words. 
And I was so inspired by her words in this message that I'm sharing today. You see, some of our present day issues, our lack of identity and self-worth and, and value and being broken is because of the negative words that have been spoken over us. And, and we have believed in those things. And I remember a friend of mine saying to me years ago, it was about 25 years ago, she was in an abusive marriage, and she said to me, I'd rather my husband hit and punch and kick me because I can deal with the bruises. It's the words that he speaks to me that hurt and cut and that I can't seem to heal. And I think every one of us could think of words that have been spoken over us, Right? I have a word the enemy loves to bring back and remind me of that is negative. I also have words of, of beauty and life and grace that have been spoken over, and I cling to those ones because they impact us. Words have the power to shape, shape identity, shape purposes. And last week we were talking about waking up right? Being aware of what's in our environment, what's in our home, being aware of those things and bringing heaven into our homes. And today we're going to take a look at how to bring heaven into our mouth. And so James 3, 1 is where we're going to take a look. So if you want to open your Bible app or you got your paper Bible with you and you want to follow along, it'll also be on the screen. I'm going to read the first 12 verses. We're going to dig deep into this. So he says, Dear brothers and sisters, not many of you should become teachers in the church, for we who teach will be judged more strictly. Indeed, we all make many mistakes, for if we could control our tongues, we would be perfect and could also control ourselves in every way. We can make a large horse go wherever we want by means of a small bit in its mouth. And a small rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot chooses to go, even though the winds are strong. In the same way, the tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches. But a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire. And among all the parts of the body, the tongue is a flame of fire. It is a whole world of wickedness corrupting your entire body. It can set your whole life on fire, for it is set on fire by hell itself. People can tame all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and fish, but no one can tame the tongue. It is a restless and evil, full of deadly poison. Sometimes it praises our Lord and Father, and sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God. And so blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, this is not right. Does a spring of water bubble out with both fresh water and bitter water? Does a fig tree produce olives or a grapevine produce figs? No, you can't draw fresh water from a salty spring. 
You see, the tongue is accountable. And this is what James is saying to us today. He is being so direct, and that's why I just love his writings, because he just goes straight to the point. You see, before this, in the Jewish context, they would have what was called rabbis, right? And so a rabbi was a Jewish teacher, and they would have followers, they would have people, you know, if it was an Instagram kind of a culture, there would be like hundreds and hundreds of followers that would listen to the teachings of a rabbi. And this was the, the culture in the Jewish world. Well, now we have a Christian context. And so they're no longer calling it rabbi, but they are calling it teacher. All right? And so what's happening is that the people were, were chasing after this title, the title of being a rabbi, the title of being a teacher. And th this word actually means, teacher, means to train disciples. And in the New Testament, it's one who teaches the things of the Holy Trinity. It was to build up the church. And, and so James is addressing this as teachers. Now, Paul also talks about this in Ephesians 4.11. He says, now these are the gifts Christ, Christ gives to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and the teachers. And so they're both addressing the ones that are zealous for the position of teacher. Right? It wasn't because they wanted to equip the saints through teaching, but because they wanted the title. They wanted the honor. They wanted the prestige for themselves and for their families, right? You see, we often see the title and we skip the job description and the responsibility that come with that title. And Paul tells us what it is in the next, next verse. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. So it wasn't just about having a name plaque on your door. This was the responsibility and the job description of a teacher, right? And this sentence that's so easy to say, right, just to read that out, takes a lifetime of humble servitude and surrender to Lord Jesus Christ as he leads and guides and so we don't pursue a position, especially if we're not ready to embrace the responsibility that comes with it. So, Jesus, or so James isn't saying teachers don't teach. That's not what he's saying here. He's saying teachers be humble, have a heart of ser servitude, right? Be teachable yourselves. And, and he's not trying to strike fear into their hearts. He's like, you must have a reverence for the Lord. There must be a pursuit of holiness to the Lord God, right? And a fear of the Lord. And he's saying that if you're not empowered by the Holy Spirit with the gift of teaching, don't chase after what you think is the glamour and the power of it. Don't popularize a position, right? Don't elevate it in your mind. Why? Because what comes with it? It says you will be judged more strictly. And in God's church, being a teacher or a leader, apostle, pastor, being prophetic, being an intercessor, warrior prayer is more than just spiritual gifts. Yes, that is the foundation of it. But what is attached to them is a maturity, it is a growing in Christ. It is character and it's right living. And I've watched way too often when people have wanted the position, the title on the door, without the work of the godly character. 
And so why is this so important? Why am I speaking to this? Well, because James says in verse 2 that we all make mistakes, right? We all do. And the level of your godly character, the level of where you walk with God will reflect the kind of mistakes that you're going to make. So by that I mean if I am out partying and drinking and um, swearing and all weekend long, I don't care about my family and I'm not paying any attention to them, that reflects my lack of godly character, doesn't it, right? I make big mistakes, And then what happens is I derail people that I'm discipling, people that are around me. So this is why godly character is so important when we're called into these places. So what do I do? I work on my godly character, right? And I'm still going to make some mistakes. Yeah, I still am. But hopefully they're not going to be ones that will derail the people that are around me. You see, you don't need a title to be loved by God. You don't, you don't need a title to be loved by God. You are called to disciple. We don't need to call you teacher so-and-so. You are called to disciple every single one of us online, in this room, the ones who couldn't make it today but are listening to it later. We are all called to disciple one person. We're called to disciple our, our partners, our families, our grandparents, our parents, our children, we are called to disciple. So let's go back to verse 3, and it talks about, the, there's these three kind of comparisons in there. It talks about how there's a large horse, and we can control it with a small bit. There's a huge ship, and we can control it with a small rudder, and then a tiny spark will ignite a great forest fire. And and James's point here is that small things control large things. And if they're not controlled, what would happen? Well, the horse would be out of control, right? It would be wild and out of control. It could hurt somebody. What would happen with a ship? Well, it would be out of control and would not make it to its destination. And the same with a forest fire, right? A, 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 a A spark is okay. We don't want a forest fire. We've lived through that these last few summers. And this is the irony, is that he's talking about something so small, like the tongue, and how it can have control over us and has tremendous power for good or for evil. And you see, we don't solve the problem by keeping the horse in the barn, right? We don't solve the problem by tying the boat up to the dock and never taking it out. We don't solve the problem by never lighting a fire. And it's the same way that we don't solve the problem by taking a vow of silence. Like, could you imagine if I even tried that? (laughs) Right? That doesn't solve the problem. We used to have this thing at our dinner table called Monk's Minute, and it was our parenting tactic to get our kids to quiet down and to eat their supper. And uh, I know I couldn't make it very long on Monk's Minute. Well, you see, James is saying that no person can tame the tongue. People can tame all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and fish, a bear, an alligator, a a tiger, but no person can tame the tongue. So when you read this verse 7, right, people can tame all kinds of animals. What does that remind you of? 
right? What I think James is doing is he's referring back to Genesis again. And in Genesis 1.26, it says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion. Dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock, right? Dominion to rule over, to tame, right? So James is like, oh yeah, yeah, God's given you dominion to tame the animals, but you can't tame your tongue. That one is not tameable by people, right? We're given authority to tame animals and we use leashes and whistles and balls and harnesses and all kinds of things to tame, but the tongue no one can tame right? It is a restless and evil full of deadly poison. And this word restless in verse 8 means unstable, inconstant, unable to rest or relax as a result of anxiety or boredom. Ooh, that's what the tongue is, unstable, inconsistent, and unable to relax. And what it does is the tongue connected to our thoughts and our hearts enables us to respond ungraciously to one another, right? We snap at the waitress who got our meal wrong, our dinner order wasn't correct, right? We snap at our spouse because they didn't do what we wanted and we we lash out before we even think about it. It makes us comment on social media when we should probably just turn that off. We speak harshly to our families. We speak cruelly about friends behind their back. This is the tongue. It's restless and evil and full of poison. And there are times when our tongue actually joins in with the enemy to do his work. And remember last week that we learned that the enemy comes, and what does he do? He plants a a seed, a weed, right? The enemy plants the weed, and then remember, he didn't even have to stay. He didn't have to stay to water it. He didn't have to stay to tend it or help it grow. We took that thought, and off we went with it. Well, it's the same with our tongue. He just has to plant that in there, and off we go with our tongue, saying the things that hurt that we shouldn't be. And in verse 9, it says, sometimes it praises, so this is talking about our mouth, It praises our Lord and Father, and sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God. And so blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, this is not right. The tongue brings death and poison, and then it turns around and praises God. You know, I remember my dad used to say to us when we were teenagers and we would often swear or say terrible things, he would say to us, you kiss your mama with that mouth, right? And what he meant was, here we would say these vile, evil things and then turn around and give our mom a kiss on the cheek before we went to bed that night. You know, and this scripture here, this verse 9, I hope you get some time to study it some more because... It hits me the most. Church, there's a disconnect between the good that flows from our mouth, the praise that flows from our mouth, and the evil that flows from our mouth, and we seem to be okay with it, 
right? We seem to make excuses for it and justify it. We stab our friend in the back and we share confidential information, right? We say harsh words. We're, we're evil and vile and there's this disconnect because then I come here and I worship God and I can't sing loud enough, right? And my words, I just, I can't get enough words out to praise you, God, to say how wonderful and fantastic you are. And this scripture, it convicts me. It makes me uncomfortable because we've disconnected the two. And we speak evil about people that God has made. Like, I'm guilty of this. We are guilty of this. People that have been made in the image of God, we have spoken harshly against. And our issue then is not actually the tongue, because the tongue cannot be controlled and tamed. Our issue is the heart. And 1 John 4.20 says, if anyone says, I love God, right? I praise you, God. I love you, God. I want more of you, God. I sing those songs so loudly, and I hate my brother. I'm a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God who is not seen. See, it's, it's actually not the tongue. It's the heart. Luke says, a good man brings out things out of the good stored up in his heart. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. It's a heart issue. What comes out of our mouths reflects our heart. It reflects our character. It reflects our godliness. It reflects our holiness. It reflects the pursuit that we have to have more of heaven in our mouths than hell. And verse 11 says, Does a spring of water bubble out? And both fresh water and bitter water come out, right? Or does a fig tree produce olives? You see, Jesus wants us to recognize the fruit corresponds to the tree, right? We know this. Apple trees grow apples and orange trees grow oranges. And if you took a fig tree and labeled it olive tree, that would not make it an olive tree, right? If you trimmed a fig tree to look like an olive tree, that does not make it an olive tree. You can surround a fig tree with olive trees, it does not make it an olive tree. You can take a fig tree and literally plant it in the Mount of Olives. That does not make it a fig tree, right? If we want to know the condition of our heart, do a little assessment of what's coming out of your mouth because that will tell you. The heart and the tongue are connected. And I know I'm bringing a hard word. I know, church. <laughs> But I have felt convicted of this because I have felt like over these last few years, we have spoken some harsh words. Hey, we have divided. There has been division, right? Depending if you are pro-vax or not vax, right? There's been all of these things to separate and isolate us. And I think we've made some mistakes and we've used some words that are not heaven in our mouth. And I think we need to repent of these things. We need to clean these things out of our hearts 
so that what comes out of our mouth is a reflection of what is in our hearts. Because we don't have to leave here feeling like I just got like, you know, Pastor Kimmy smacked. No. You see, there is power in our words. And there is life in our words. And in Proverbs 12, it says, There is one whose rash words are like sword thrusts, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Healing is attainable. Healing is for every single one of us. We can cast aside the evil, right? We can clean out our hearts and there can be words of healing, healing over ourselves and healing over each other. Words bring life and heaven into our mouths. And if you want to know exactly how do I bring heaven into my mouth, know, speak, Understand, proclaim, sing, declare the words of Jesus Christ. His words in your mouth are heaven in your mouth. Why? Because he is. Because he is and always will be. Because he is the great I am. So place his words in your mouth. Clean out your hearts. And I'm gonna, we're going to pray in a, few, in a minute here. We're going to give you opportunity for that. Because I don't want you to leave here in the same condition as when you arrived, right? There is healing in the words of Jesus Christ. And when we go to the New Testament, there's all of these words that Jesus spoke. You know, Jesus spoke to the sea, to the wind and the waves, and it stopped. He just spoke. Jesus was in the garden, and he said to the, to the father, you know, like, would you let this, this cup go past me? Like, do I have to go down this road? But he's like, father, I, like, I'm willing, right? I surrender. His words that he spoke were obedience. He spoke obedience. If you want to know how to get heaven in your mouth, speak the words of Jesus. He went to the cross after he had been beaten, and what did he say in his final breath? He said, it is finished. Those words are words of power and redeeming love for every single one of you. Those are Jesus' words. Put those words into your mouth. Defeat sin and death with the power of Jesus. Put heaven in your mouth. You see... No person can tame the tongue. James knew it. <gasps> Paul knew it. We know it. But the tongue can be brought under the control of the Holy Spirit. The tongue can be. And in Acts 2, when the day of Pentecost had come, and they're all together in that upper room, right? And they're praying and they're worshiping and they're waiting. There's a violent wind that comes from heaven and it fills the house. And what came over them? Tongues, Holy Spirit, tongues. You see, the tongue belongs to Holy Spirit. And when we bring the two into alignment, we can have victory. We need to be filled with Holy Spirit as we use our mouths, as we declare heaven, and as we discover the words of Jesus. So that's what flows out of our heart. So church, again, I don't want you leaving here feeling condemned. No, no. But is it not a wake-up call for us? 
What comes out of my mouth? What quickly comes out of my mouth? Is it something critical? Is it something bitter? Am I complaining? Or is it words of life? And so if you would like uh, for me to pray for you right now, then I want to ask you to stand and to respond if you would like to receive prayer. You're just going to stay where you are, but you're going to stand. And I'm going to pray for you. We're going to pray together that God would clean out our hearts. And so I'm saying, church, come on. we got to respond to this message, to this word today. So Lord God, Lord God on high, our Jesus, as we have sung today, you push back the darkness. You overcome the darkness, Lord God. You hung on that cross. You died for every single one of us, and you said it is finished. Sin cannot hold us. Death cannot hold us. There is no sting because we have victory in you, Lord Jesus. And today, as we come to your cross, we repent. And so church, online, in the room, this is, this is your time to just say to Jesus, I repent of the words that I have spoken. And you can say it out loud, you can say it in your mind, but I repent, Jesus. God, I am sorry that my words have been bitter, that there has been malice and slander and backbiting, and gross exaggeration, and competition. I repent, Jesus. I am sorry, God. I ask that you clean out my heart, Lord God. Create in me a clean heart, Lord Jesus. I pray, Holy Spirit, come in and shine your light and expose those things, those harsh words that maybe I need to apologize for, those things that have been like hidden back there that I've been protecting, that have been my coping mechanisms. Lord God, expose them with your beautiful light, Lord God. And I repent and I ask you to forgive. Would you forgive me, Jesus, for the words that I have spoken that are evil? And would you wash over it with the blood of the Lamb? And Lord God, would you fill me to overflowing with your Holy Spirit? Would you bring my heart and my mind and my tongue into alignment with you, Lord Jesus? Holy Spirit, would you saturate my soul? Would you overcome me with your presence, Lord God? I invite you in and I say more and more and more of you, Lord God. I want to reflect you in the things that I do. I want to reflect you in the things that I say, Lord God. Let my words be a testimony of your love and of your goodness, of your mercy, of your power, that you will overcome, Lord Jesus. Holy Spirit, baptize us this morning. Saturate us this morning, Lord God. We are weak. We are feeble, but with you we are strong, Lord God, and we leave all of these things at your cross, Lord Jesus, and we ask for that exchange, Lord God. Empower us, Lord God. With your Holy Spirit, Lord Jesus, we need you. We need you to bring heaven into our mouths. And Lord God, I pray for a passion for your word. 
Lord God, in this house. I pray that before people leave today, that they will go to their Bible, that they will wonder, Jesus, what did you say about family? Jesus, what did you say about trouble? Jesus, what did you say when I would have struggles? Jesus, what did you say about love? Jesus, what did you say about being a friend? That your words, Lord God, would be in our mouths, Lord Jesus. We just ask in your powerful name, Lord God. We are nothing without you, Jesus. So we just need all of you. Thank you, God. In your name we pray. Amen.